This is the Ed Genius Podcast. The Ed Genius Podcast brings you the tried, true, and proven of online education to help you provide a better learning experience for your students. I'm Rob Letcher, and on the Ed Genius Podcast, I talk with teachers, students, and ed tech leaders about their online teaching and learning successes and failures and what they've learned from both. I'm old enough to remember Elvis. Barely. It was fat Elvis. But still, I clearly remember seeing him on TV with a guitar, rocking the house. That began my love affair with music. I started taking guitar lessons in fourth grade, added clarinet in fifth, and drums in high school. Yes, I was a band geek marching, and orchestra. And I loved it. Being in a room with other people, all working on the same piece of music, and getting that moment when it all comes together is magical. But what does music class look like in an online environment? And I'm not talking about music appreciation or music history, but actual honest-to-God music. Well, my guest today knows what it looks like, because she's been doing it ever since COVID hit and sent us home to teach and learn. Mary Honiger teaches music in Antioch, Illinois, to students in grades K-8. to She's been in the district for 15 years and has been teaching music for 22. She also taught regular education, K, 2nd, and 3rd grades, for a few years before that. She teaches general music to grades K-5, to and in the middle school, she teaches a guitar class to 6th graders and an American music history class to 8th graders. She plays the guitar and loves to sing, singing at her church, and even in her family band. Mary, thank you for joining us on the Ed Genius Podcast today. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. My pleasure. So you and I, uh, we've chatted online in an online group, and you had mentioned that you really you know, we're digging the online teaching experience to, an, to at least to an extent. But let's start with hearing a little bit about your teaching experience before the pandemic, before you moved online. What did your teaching experience before moving online look like? Before the pandemic, I was teaching music in three buildings in one school district. I was in one middle school and two elementary schools. Um, so basically, I would teach three classes in the middle school every morning, and then I would travel um, in the afternoon to one of the elementary schools, um, depending on the day. Um, and before that, I taught in one building, so general music for second through fifth graders. But then that building closed and they restructured, which is why I had to start traveling between three buildings. So you were busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Were you... Like some people say they live out of their car. Were you like teaching out of your car, dragging stuff from building to building? Yes, yes. Because I taught guitar in one school and then I played guitar a lot. So I was always dragging my guitar plus a laptop plus all my materials. So yes, definitely in my car a lot, dragging materials around. So going back to spring 2020, the pandemic hit. Uh, I'm presuming your district sent everybody home at some point, right? Right. And then... How did teaching look then? Just in this, just in that spring semester, what was your experience like then? 
So, um, yeah, it was March 13th, 2020 that they announced. They said we were going to close the buildings for three weeks. Um, they gave us one week to plan, and then it was our spring break week. So we began teaching online. It was March 30th. And then we did what was called asynchronous teaching. Um, so that means we would send lessons to the students each day, and we would sort of estimate the amount of time that the students would be required to work each day. Um, so for me, I would plan out my lessons, and then I would usually send them out the night before. Um, we used Seesaw for kindergarten through second grade, and we used Google Classroom for third through eighth grade. Um, we only used Google Meets occasionally. Like, for instance, I had some um, fourth graders that needed help with a song on their recorder. So I would just find a time and meet them online to work with them. But mostly it was just making um, videos and sending videos out for at-home learning. And then the students would send videos back to me. And so that type of learning continued through the end of that school year. What did you use to create the videos? How are you making the videos, filming them and or recording them and then sending them to the students? So basically what I did in the beginning was just video myself on my phone and then I would transfer that to YouTube and then I would make like a private YouTube link and send it to them that way. And did that change over time? Um, a little bit. Yeah. Once, um, I got more familiar with the, you know, the platforms then, yeah, then I could send videos through Seesaw easier, but, um, I still use YouTube a lot. That seemed like an easy way for me to upload videos, um, and then send them out. So YouTube didn't really change. I, I used that the whole time. Are you creating those as sort of unlisted videos or are they just on there for anyone no, they're unlisted. It was funny, though, last year I had third graders telling me that I could be a famous YouTuber if I get some subscribers. And <laughs> But no, I made them unlisted. Your, your third graders sound like my second grader. She, <laughs> she, is, she is huge on YouTube. She thinks she's huge on YouTube. Most of it's just on my phone. But she's always <laughs> talking about, you know, smash that like button. So. Yep. Yep. I was, I was, yeah, told by my third graders that I could be famous if I wanted to, but... So it was a surprise, obviously, like for all of us. What was your first thought when you were told, okay, everyone has to go online to do school? Um, It was kind of like just a shock. Like you said, we were all shocked and we didn't think it was going to last long. So I kind of thought, oh, it's a nice break. It's like having a snow day or something. You know, we would have a little break. We would get time to work. So it was almost like, you know, I liked being at home and then we'd have our break. And then I thought it was going to be one week. Like I thought it was just going to be a little you know, short little time. Um, so then, yeah, then it, <laughs> I got more used to it. Um, and I kind of enjoyed it, but in the beginning it was, yeah, it was mostly just a big shock. When did you realize that it would be a longer period of time? Did they come um, out and say, this is it for the rest of the semester? Like, how did that work? Yeah, that didn't come for a little while. So they did first, I remember they said, you know, it was one week and then they extended it for another couple of weeks. And we just kept going by what the governor in Illinois, what the governor would say, like he, I remember predicting, okay, middle of May, we'll be back by the middle of May. Like I, that was my personal prediction, which was very wrong. Um, and then the governor came out, I think it was maybe the beginning of May, I don't know the exact date, but the governor said that all schools in Illinois were going to stay remote for the rest of the school year. So the governor basically made the choice for us. So I do remember that day, a lot of people, you know, were very upset because, you know, their kids, their students, they won't, wouldn't be able to see them again. So it was kind of a rough day for people. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know exactly when it was, but that's when they decided it'll be till the end of the year. So whenever that date was, how did you, how did Mary feel? You're saying a lot <laughs> of people felt, but how did Mary feel? <laughs> well, I had a lot of emotions. I can remember distinctly watching the governor's um, speech and like being in tears because he was, I, I really like our governor and I felt like he was doing what was right for people, for students, for, you know, just for safety. Um, but it, he, he made a very moving speech. And I remember being in tears, just kind of a little bit sad, um, but also relieved because I, like I said, I was starting to enjoy working from home and um, I didn't feel like going back to school would be safe. So I definitely felt a lot of relief that, okay, I don't have to go back. We can make it work. I didn't, um, I, there were, it, it was very divided among teachers. You know, some really wanted to get back in there right away. And some like me were more nervous and didn't want to go back. So it kind of divided teachers, <laughs> but um, yeah, I was on the side of relief and glad that I didn't have to go back in. That's interesting. And I see that. I see that a lot. I see um, not divisiveness necessarily, right? But I do see, uh, I'll be honest with you, I feel like the size of the population of teachers who say, this wasn't that bad. I could keep doing it. This is pretty cool, is a lot smaller than the folks who want to get back in in person. And it's not a judgment. Absolutely. Yeah. That's where I started to feel like, oh, I'm really the odd person. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely true. Yeah. So you you said then, um, I'm going to ask one more question before we move on, but the tears. And not, not that I'm trying to make this into like an Oprah moment where <laughs> I make you break down, but were the te- were the tears just for the governor because you knew it was difficult speech for him to get through, or was it what were the tears about? Uh, yeah, I wish I could remember specifically what he said. It was just so moving about students and how um, you know schools are still there for them even if we're not in person, and all the different things schools were doing to reach out to their students, and you know people teachers going to students' homes and like meeting them in the driveway. I had a um, friend whose teacher came for her, her child and met in the driveway to help with a math problem. And it was just a lot of like neat stories like that about how, you know, we miss our students. We wish that we could be with our students. It was just, it was kind of just a moving speech. You mentioned then that around the time when the decision was made that everyone would stay out of the building, at least for the time period, for the time being, you started to recognize that this wasn't so bad and that maybe, gasp, uh, you actually were enjoying teaching online. T- tell me about that. What What is it or was it that you were experiencing that, that you enjoyed? Well, um, like we said, I know I'm definitely one of the few teachers that has enjoyed it, um, which is why I responded to your request um, so quickly, because I figured it might be hard for you to find somebody with <laughs> my opinion. Um, I think you're right. I, yeah. <laughs> I think one of the big reasons that I liked it was the time that I was saving um, by not having to drive to school and pack up and drive to other schools and drive home. Um when I was at home, I had a schedule to stick to, um, and it changed. I know we didn't quite get to this part of the question, but in the fall, it changed to being all live teaching. So it was not just sending out the lessons. It became like a live schedule where we were teaching our students on Zoom. We switched to Zoom. 
And so then it was more what's called synchronous live teaching. So in the fall of 2020, that's when we switched to Zoom and we started teaching everything live, synchronous. And um, that's when I started to really enjoy it more, I think. I preferred it because I could meet with my students and talk to my students in real time. So I really started to enjoy it then. Um, but still the time. So I was saying that um, I really liked that I could kind of manage my time, even though I had a very strict schedule um, because we were teaching live. And then um, other than the teaching part, I still had a lot of planning and grading and communicating with parents and going to meetings, um, Zoom meetings. Um, but I still was able to kind of make a schedule that worked for me. So for instance, if I wanted to do my lesson planning late at night and then take a walk on one of my planning periods, then I could do that. Um, and I just felt like that really worked for me. Um, another reason that I enjoyed it was just that the, the interactions that I was able to have with students that I wasn't able to have in person. Um, breakout rooms on Zoom are really great for that. Um, I was able to give students individual attention that I couldn't give in school. Um, an example is in my guitar class. I taught a sixth grade guitar class. And if you, if you can imagine 25 students all practicing their guitars in one room at once, <laughs> but on <laughs> Zoom, they could all be muted and they could still be practicing and they could focus and not have to hear everybody else playing. And then I could give them one-on-one -on -one attention in a Zoom breakout room. So I, um, I really felt like that was a good um a positive of, of teaching online. And with my younger students, um, I also thought that they felt a little bit freer to just open up and sing out loud on Zoom. I think because, I don't know, I think it just felt different for them than being in a classroom full of people. They would often ask me if they could sing for the class. And on Zoom, I would put them on Spotlight. And then I think on Spotlight, they would mostly just see themselves. So they didn't see all the kids that were watching them. And they just felt much, I don't know, maybe less intimidated and just saying a lot more for me. So those are some of the reasons. <laughs> those are all amazing reasons. I just had an interview this past week with a, um, uh, a drama teacher who also does improv. So you're, you're giving me music. I had drama and improv last week. Um, and her interview was very interesting because she had a very similar experience where even though they're not in the same room, she found that students were willing to be a little more open and less um, self-conscious about their performance when there wasn't someone physically in the room, even though they knew that other people were hearing them. Something about that sort of distance, a transactional distance of the computer allowed them to be more open. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. I saw that. Mm hmm and and you you talked about getting to know well you didn't say getting to know your students you said the the interactions with your students mm -hmm. uh, besides the fact that you know online teaching is the only time a teacher can legally mute a kid and not have to use <laughs> duct tape right um, did you feel like you got a better sense of your students from being able to spend that kind of one on one time with them. Yes, I definitely, yeah, I guess I hadn't said it, but it, it is true that I definitely got to know them better. Um, they constantly wanted to tell me about, you know, their teeth that were loose and their pets that were in the room and what they, I mean, from kindergarten all the way up to eighth grade, you know, I've got a new dog or what they always wanted to tell me that. And I, I think it was kind of a, just a trait of my teaching in general is that I like to get to know the students. I feel like the relationships help you to, um, just in general with teaching. 
But on Zoom, I really just felt like we were told in, that we should really focus on social emotional learning anyway, because we're in a pandemic. So I always, I took even more time than I normally would to just really listen to them. And I had a parent email me, you know, she said, I, I always listen in the background. And I just wanted to tell you that it's, it means so much to this parent that you take time to listen to what they say and make them feel important. And so all those little tiny things about their lives, I, yeah, I definitely listened to and learned about them. So I felt like I could really get to know my students better. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, I had a, a similar experience when I was teaching eighth grade online. I learned so much more about those kids than I ever did in any other teaching setting because I had that one-on-one -on -one mm -hmm. time with them. And at the time, the school where I was teaching, we were required to have um, to spend a half an hour one-on-one -on -one with every kid and parent um, for uh, every two weeks. So every two weeks, wow. I was so yeah, thir so thirty-six weeks. For every thir for thirty six weeks, so I'm getting to spend. Um, man, I'm terrible at math. Was that eighteen? So <laughs> nine hours with a kid one on one. Like that's crazy. Yeah, that's great. How much time? When, when? What other model do you get to spend nine hours with a kid and their parent? You know, when the parent right. could be there. So. And the other thing I thought of on Zoom with my older kids is the chat feature. Like I, with my little kids, I told them not to ever use the chat because they don't know how. But the eighth and sixth and seventh, they could like type in the chat things to me that they don't want to say in front of the class or they might not even feel comfortable saying out loud, but they could type them to mm -hmm. me. You know, my parents have COVID and I'm nervous about this and all those like kind of serious things they could type in the chat just to me. And I feel like they felt comfortable doing that too. Do you think that you have any students who are feeling the way you're feeling about online learning that they prefer. Oh, I definitely do. Yep. I know. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting because I know the mental health has been brought up so much about students in this pandemic. And I think some definitely their mental health is suffering because they're not in school, but I think other kids who were, you know, anxious about going to school uh, felt, felt so much better. Their mental health was actually improving because they were online. So I think definitely both sides for sure. But yeah, I know there are students like me. <laughs> yeah. That's great. So you, you've already talked a little bit about how you teach music online. Um, you do some you do videos, you, I'm, I'm presuming when you're using um, Seesaw that they are recording uh, pieces back to you? Uh-huh. Yeah, they often, um, so I could send a lesson on Seesaw with, which would have a bunch of different components. So there would be things they could watch, things they can interact with, things they can record themselves, speaking, singing, video themselves through all different types of lessons. And then I have students that just send a video to me for, you know, it's not in response to a lesson, but if they want, they can just sing a song to me. Like if we ran out of time in class, they're like, oh, I'll, I'll send it to you. I'll sing you a song, you know, and then they can just send me a video on Seesaw or some, you know, oh, I didn't get to show you my dog. I'm going to send you a picture on Seesaw. So they can, yeah, they can send me stuff and they can respond to the lessons. And so now have you had to go on medication because for your diabetes, because they're so sweet. <laughs> that's how it sounds <laughs> exactly. like to me. Yes, like, right. it is. It is so sweet. Yes, you are totally right. Yep. Adorable and sweet. And these kids are like, they like to make up their own songs and they'll sing. And uh, yeah, it's adorable. You mentioned making a schedule. Um, mm -hmm. Have you found that it sounds like you found that making and keeping to a schedule has been really important to your success as an online teacher? 
Yes. Yep. I definitely. And the way my schedule and in our district, we started full remote and then there was a hybrid and then there's a now they're they're back to school, but they can do a remote option. So basically the schedule changes all the time. Like usually there's one schedule all year, but this year it's like, I think we're on our fourth. Um, but Yes, definitely. Whatever schedule I have for my classes, I do. Yeah, I like to keep to it. Um, but then, like I said, I really like having time that is not scheduled and then I can do it how I want, if that makes sense. So like if I want to put a load of laundry in or watch an episode of something or whatever I can, as long as I get all the other things done. So it's sort of yes and sort of no. <laughs> like I, 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 I have to stick to a certain schedule and then I like a little bit of flexibility too. You've mentioned to me before that if you could continue teaching online, you would. Does that still hold mm -hmm. true? Oh yeah, yeah. I would. I would like to do it forever. Yeah, for sure. Anything you don't like about it? Um. Yes. Um. With music, um, we were talking about this before. The one thing that I don't like about it is that you can't sing together in real time. So. Um, I can play and sing songs for the students and I can see them singing along at home, but they have to be on mute and then they can unmute and sing for us, but then the rest has to be quiet. So that really is the one thing that's the hardest is that you can't sing together in real time. We've talked a little bit about how you make music, how you teach music online. Can you share any tips with our listeners who are also trying to teach music online? Yeah, um, it kind of depends. So for my situation, it was, um, I was teaching music and I had eighth grade all the way down to kindergarten and every class was different. So my eighth grade class, it's music history and classes like that, I think are the easiest to teach online because I could lecture, I could share videos, all I basically did everything on Google slides and I could just share it with them with videos of music and they could complete projects on their own and it worked really well. Um, but the only problem in that situation is that if their cameras and microphones are off, you don't know if they're really there or not. So that is one of the struggles. Um, but then as long as they have, you know, something that they have to do to prove that they're there or that they're learning, you know, a, an assessment or a project, then that worked out fine. Um, I did talk a bit about how I made my guitar class work. Um, yeah, using breakout rooms, that's a huge uh, tip that I would say works really well with um, classes like that when you can work with them one-on-one. -on -one. Um, and in the younger students, we did a lot, again, watching videos and doing a lot of like clapping along and rhythm work. Um, and like we talked about before, Seesaw, I will always say how great Seesaw is. It is um, it was really great for allowing them to record themselves and send videos back. Um, we did a lot of like homemade instruments or musical scavenger hunts, uh, those kinds of things you could do, I think, with other subjects too, just kind of scavenger hunts and homemade things like that. Um, yeah, just the connections that I made with the students, which we talked about a lot already too. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of tips. <laughs> um, let's see the tip. I know you had said about, um, like tips for, for other teachers that are teaching online. I guess my biggest tip I would say for teachers in general, but especially teachers teaching online is not to feel guilty about like signing off and taking time for yourself. I feel like um, sometimes teachers are made to feel guilty for how they use their time. I think I, we were talking earlier about how it's a little bit divisive where some teachers, you know, I want to be with my students in, in the classroom and other teachers 
you know, are being successful teaching online and it gets a little divisive. Um, And I just think in general, there's kind of been a culture of working so much. Teachers work so much. They work so much on their own time. They spend their own money. And I think um, a tip I would just say is to try not to let other people make you feel bad for not doing that. (laughs) If that makes sense, like don't make people, let people make you feel bad for signing off, you know, not working all night, you know, not spending your own money on everything because, you know, you can't take care of your own students if you don't take care of yourself, if that makes sense. (laughs) Absolutely. Are you, I'm assuming you all were working off laptops? Laptops. Yeah. And, and we had iPads too, and the students had iPads. So uh, that's actually another good tip um, is to sign on your Zoom with another device. So you would sign on with your iPad and your laptop. So then you could have one for seeing the students and one for sharing the content. That was, um, yeah, a lot of teachers do that. Yeah. I don't know how people get along without two screens. I just right. don't get that. Um, but that the idea about the laptop is they close. You know, shockingly, <laughs> yep. they have this hinge thing, and then like uh-huh. you know, like tablets and and desktop computers, they have this button that says on and off, and it can mm-hmm. be turned off. So, mm-hmm. yeah, not not work when you work at home, you're always at work, and right. so right. it does take some uh, self discipline to turn it off to close the box yep. as the speed. Yep. Well. Listen, do you have any last words of wisdom that you want to share with the listeners? Because I know everyone's been enjoying, I'm sure, our, our conversation. Anything you want to leave them with? <laughs> um, no, I would say just, like I said, don't feel guilty. Um you know, whatever your situation is, I feel like if you follow a million Facebook groups like I do of teachers and um, specific music teachers or just online teachers, it just seems like there's always a little bit of, you know, I've been doing it. I've been face to face. I always say people say I've been face to face since August is like the statement people like to make. And I think it makes other people feel bad. Like, just because you haven't been face to face since August, you're still doing a great job and you can still meet your students' needs. And um, yeah, don't make, don't let anyone make you feel bad for that. It's basically the same thing I already said. <laughs> Sounds great. So Mary, thank you so much for being a guest on Ed Genius this week. Thank you for having me. Mary Honiger teaches music in Antioch, Illinois. So what did we learn from our Ed Genius this week? Among other things, we learned that online teaching can be an effective model for itinerant teachers, so they don't need to live and work out of their cars. Some teachers actually realize from this pandemic experience that they enjoy teaching online. The online environment allows many students to open up to teachers in ways they may never have done so in person. And just because you teach online doesn't mean that you need to be online 24 hours a day. Don't feel guilty about closing the laptop. And if you're an ed tech company that can figure out how to let musicians perform online together in real time, you're going to make a mint. That's all the time we have for the podcast this week. Special thanks to Mary Honiger, our ed genius for this episode. And of course, thanks to Crowinder for their song Funhouse, which you heard at the start of the episode and again now. Check them out at crowinder.com. I'll leave you with the immortal words of Haim Ganot, who said, Teachers are expected to reach unattainable goals with inadequate tools. The miracle is that at times, they accomplish this impossible task. Thanks for listening.